Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Go here uh, just by myself for this episode. Unfortunately, Peter is unable to join us uh, for this week, but we do have a lot to cover, uh, some signings, a trade, spring training opened, uh, a lot a lot that we're going to go through today. I'm excited for today's episode, and I hope you are too. Uh, I'm excited for Brewers baseball coming up as well um, over the next few weeks. We'll see spring training games already uh, in a week. Um, they are going to allow some fans at American Family Fields of Phoenix uh, down in Arizona, uh, not to be confused with the now named American Family Field in Milwaukee. Uh, so if you are down in Arizona or planning on making a trip there, uh, be sure to go to the, some of the Brewer games. I think they have about 35% capacity uh, in Phoenix for their spring training games. In addition to them uh, letting fans in, at the American Family Fields of Phoenix Complex. Uh, they also will be allowing about 35% capacity at American Family Field in Milwaukee. Uh, they're hoping for full capacity by midsummer. Of course, depends on how COVID-19 progresses or uh, what, kind of, uh, what kind of numbers we're seeing going into the summer. But uh, Rick Schlesinger was pretty optimistic when he talked about it, looking at potentially having you know, 40,000 fans back at American Family Field. Uh, keep keep stumbling over my words and uh, almost accidentally saying Miller Park, but yeah, American Family Field. So uh, that should allow for about 17,000 fans, which is a, a pretty good amount. Uh, there are, I mean, of course we will uh, see a lot of sellouts. Brewer fans are probably as eager as anyone to go and watch games, uh, but pretty exciting if you ask me. Uh, 17,000 fans, and they do have a comprehensive guide to the safety protocols. I would not recommend reading it since it is 350 pages, and I think has to technically be approved by the city of Milwaukee, but it seems like it was going to pass that when they did announce it. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. also signed a 14-year, $340 million extension, one of the largest contracts in MLB history, uh, right up there with Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, uh, Tatis is entering just his age 22 season. Uh, the only thing is uh, the, the the young shortstop in 14 years will uh, be, you know, 35, 36. Troy Tulowitzki at age 21, 22 was uh, wrapping up his Rookie of the Year campaign, and by age 35 he was out of baseball. Same thing with Jose Reyes. So you have to wonder if uh, this might be too big of a risk for the Padres, but Padres have been huge spenders this offseason and clearly looking not only towards the short term and trying to win in 2021, but also beyond and through 2034 uh, for Tatis's extension. Um, locked down him and Machado on the left side of the infield, $640 million between the two. Padres, big spenders, not sure where they're getting the money from, but they have the money apparently. Uh, Brewers also announced a new TV agreement. Uh, they will be now known as Bally Sports Wisconsin. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Not exactly sure uh, why the name change. I know that there were some uh, some changing of hands um, at the higher levels of the operation. So that's probably where the name comes from. Uh, it seems like not much is changing. Hopefully the Brewers are able to get a decent chunk of money in return for their TV rights. Uh, but 
it doesn't seem like we'll see major changes to who will have access to uh, to Brewer games this year on TV, especially since with uh, with only about 35% capacity going in, those TV broadcasts will be important for Brewer fans to watch and also for the Brewers trying to bring in revenue um, as they enter into the new season. Like I mentioned, spring training opened uh, this past week. Pitchers and catchers reported on the 17th. Uh, so far, so good. Um, nothing major that has come out of camp. Uh, there are some some more minor notes that we will talk about towards the end of the episode. First full workouts are coming out this week, and then first game is already on the 28th. So coming soon already, Brewer spring training games. Hard to believe. It's been kind of a long off season, uh, but still, I mean, when it's when it's uh, you know what zero degrees outside, uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard to to remember that. Brewers baseball is coming up pretty soon. So that is also something that is on the docket for the Brewers. Now that we've got um, a little bit of the preliminary news out of the way, let's go forward uh, with the podcast. No trivia question today. Um, no person to answer the question. So unfortunately, we're not able to do that. But we do have a, a couple random players of the day today. Uh, maybe a little bit, unfortunately, both passing away in the past week. The first one is Lou Kraus. And Kraus actually was the starter for the 1970 Brewers on opening day through the first ever pitch for the Milwaukee Brewers. Kraus uh, pitched between 1961 and 74 in the major leagues with the Kansas City Athletics uh, before they moved to Oakland. And then with the Brewers for two years, he had a 4.75 ERA in 216 innings in 1970, a 2.94 ERA as a swingman, 180 innings in 1971 before leaving for Boston, wrapped up his career in 74 with Atlanta. Uh, his dad actually played in the major leagues as well. Same name, Lou Kraus. Uh, Kraus passed away, though, uh, this past week. Our condolences are certainly with his family at the age of 77. He passed away. Uh, so one of the first brewers, one of the original brewers, Lou Kraus, passed away. Today's random player of the day. Uh, Juan Pizarro is the other random player of the day, and he never played for the Milwaukee Brewers, but he was a member of the 1957 Milwaukee Braves team that won the World Series. Uh, Brewers have never won a World Series, but Braves did in that 1957 season, uh, just eight years before moving to Atlanta. Pizarro was a, a swingman on that team. 10 games started, 24 games overall, 99 innings, 4.62 ERA as a 20-year-old rookie. Pizarro is a native of Puerto Rico, and he, along with uh, infielder Felix Montilla, were uh, the first Puerto Ricans to play in the World Series. Uh, he was a two-time All-Star, played for a number of teams, played for the Braves for four years, uh, compiling a 3.93 ERA, 23 wins, and 444 innings. Um, then after, pitched for the White Sox, where he earned two All-Star game appearances, a 2.39 ERA, and 214 innings in 1963, followed up by a similar season in 64. So a couple very good years um, later on in his career, and he actually pitched until 1974, like Lou Krause did. Pizarro, though, passed away on Thursday. He had been one of the only surviving members of the 1957 Braves team. Uh, I can't remember exactly who was still around. Of course, Hank Aaron passed away recently, uh, but there, I think, are only about three or four left from that team that won the World Series 64 years ago now. So Pizarro passing away uh, at the age of 84. The Brewers swung a minor trade this past Monday with the Toronto Blue Jays. 
uh, bringing in backup outfielder Derek Fisher, uh, not to be confused with the former NBA player and coach of the same name. Fisher was a, a first-round pick of the Astros back in 2014. Uh, he has played with the Astros and Blue Jays at the major league level, most notably scoring the winning run in Game 5 of the 2017 World Series. That was the wild back-and-forth game, Astros-Dodgers. I think it was 11-10 final score. Bregman hit a single to left field, and Fisher came racing around uh, from second base and scored to score the winning run. Of course, Astros ended up winning that game and that series in seven games, and we won't get into any more details about that. Um, and you know, Stearns, of course, loves bringing in former Astros. He was uh, working for the Astros as an assistant general manager at the time when they drafted Fisher. Uh, but in 2020, he spent uh, with the Blue Jays, 16 games, only 39 plate appearances, 226 average, 359 on base percentage, 452 slugging. Pretty good numbers, but also a really small sample size. Not really too much that you can uh, look into uh, with those numbers. 2019 in AAA, he actually performed very well. 125 weighted runs created plus. He's about 25% above league average as a hitter. In AAA, he's about an okay defensive player, got great speed. Uh, so those are some of his his better tools. Not probably a great hitter, and I don't think he'll ever really be a starter at the major league level, but could be a, a solid backup option. Fisher will compete with Billy McKinney, uh, another former Blue Jays outfielder that they acquired last year. Um, both of them are out of minor league options, so they either have to make the major league team or they'll be let go, uh, put placed on waivers. I would think one of them will make the team. I'd be very surprised if both did. And it seems like with the acquisitions of both of them over the past uh, six, eight months, Tyrone Taylor and Corey Ray probably will be relegated back to AAA. Uh, both former top prospects in the Brewers organization who have stalled a little bit at the upper levels. Fisher and McKinney, both left-handed hitters also. Uh, so that will be a camp battle to watch. Probably not a high-profile one, uh, just being a, a backup outfield slot. Uh, but they will compete for it, and probably one will make the team, and one will be placed on waivers. The Brewers also made a pair of signings this past week, bringing back a couple familiar names. Travis Shaw and Brett Anderson. Uh, pretty much any Brewer fan would be familiar with those two names. Shaw, 2017 and 18, combined for about seven wins above replacement between the two years, which is a very good mark. Uh, was a very solid hitter, slugged. 500 between the two years, hit 30 home runs in each of the two campaigns, and was an integral member of both the 2017 team that uh, fell just short of the playoffs and then the 2018 team that fell one game short of the World Series. Shaw is a, a third baseman uh, who probably will be given every opportunity to make the team. He comes with a non-guaranteed spot on the roster but he will um, make $1.5 million if he does make the team. He uh, is entering his last year of arbitration eligibility, so uh, this is just a one-year contract, no control over him after this year. Shaw is coming off uh, off of a, an okay year in Toronto. His walk rate was still down from uh, the previous few years, but his strikeout rate uh, improved from his 2019 season. 2019 season was the terrible year where he hit 157. Uh, that's about all you need to know. Uh, he was he was atrocious. Led to the Brewers non-tendering him, where he uh, caught on with Toronto. He still is a pretty good defensive player at third base, so that, I think that would work towards him or work in his favor. The other options at third base right now include Luis Urias and Orlando Arcia. 
they're competing at shortstop. It seems like it's more likely that Urias will get time at short than Arcia. So Arcia might play third. I would have to guess he probably will be about an average defender at third. He's got pretty good athleticism, uh, but doesn't have much experience at the position. Shaw has a great arm, so Shaw actually is able to play a little bit deeper, and his arm is able to compensate for it, even though he does have a, a little bit of a lack of range for the average third baseman at the major league level. His average exit velocity increased in 2020 also with the Blue Jays, which was a, 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 overall a good sign. Um, the Blue Jays still decided not to retain him, uh, but the Brewers jumped at the chance to get him. I think it was also in light of not signing Justin Turner. You have to think that if they sign Turner, Shaw is not brought in as a non-roster invite. There were some encouraging uh, signs when you looked at Travis Shaw's 2020 season. He was in the 82nd percentile of average exit velocity, so he's hitting the ball pretty hard still. Uh, he also only had six home runs in 180 plate appearances, which was considerably down from his, his better years in Milwaukee. But he also had six home runs that probably would have been out at Miller Park, but uh, but either hit the top of the wall or uh, hit off the wall at extreme pitchers parks. He was the the victim of bad luck, and I think when you when you change those six doubles to home runs, we're looking at an extremely different player. So I, I think that especially in a small sample size, you have to keep in mind some things uh, that are like that. His slugging was above average, which you would hope for uh, for a, a big third baseman who is going to presumably hit for power. Um, he still was able to hit righties okay especially with his quality of contact i think that it seems likely that he will make the team as maybe a third baseman who plays against right-handed pitching uh, that seems like probably the best outcome for him and then either arcia or daniel robertson who's also another option at third base would play against left-handed pitching uh, those two are both right-handed hitters so those would probably be the best options for them rather than having shaw play every day at third base it's also uh, of note that he seemed in, like he was intentionally trying to increase his launch angle in 2019, and that of course backfired on him. So it seems like reverting to how he was as a hitter before that um, will pay off, especially now that he looks like he might have a bigger opportunity rather than just about 40 games that he played with the Blue Jays last year. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like Shaw will be a Justin Turner-esque player or even maybe the star that he was a few years ago with the Brewers. Pitchers have become better at attacking him, especially with the fastball. But Shaw, I think, still could be a solid player who plays most of the time. I think we're looking at a guy who probably hits about 240 with an on-base percentage of about 330 in that average range and slugs maybe about 450 or 460, which is pretty good. Uh, for a third baseman, especially compared to the other options that they have. And I think his swing fits out nicely like we saw at Miller Park a few years ago. So that could work to his advantage as well. So Shaw signing a minor league deal, camp invite, one and a half million. The signing's not official yet, uh, but once he passes his physical, it will become official and he will join the Brewers once again. Brett Anderson, the other former member of the Brewers that the Brewers decided to bring back this past week. He threw 47 innings with the Brewers last year, 4-2-1 ERA, uh, six strikeouts per nine, which is very low, but he also is able to limit the walks really well. Kind of your, uh, your four or five starter at this point who will um, throw about five innings, two runs, three runs, uh, keep your team in the ball game, get a lot of ground balls, and limit the walks and limit the home runs. 
I think that there's there's some real value in that. Uh, I think he's slated to make about two and a half million. Once again, Anderson's contract hasn't officially gone through. He hasn't officially passed his physical. On his Twitter bio, he even said uh, that he's a pitcher for the Brewers, assuming he passes his physical. Uh, I think there is maybe a little bit more reason to think there's a chance he won't pass his physical, or they may find something due to his lengthy injury history. But at the same time, nothing major really came up for him in the past year, and they were okay signing him last year for a little bit of a bigger contract. So you have to think that he will pass his physical and join the Brewers rotation. Uh, of course, Woodruff and Burns are at the top. Uh, behind him, it seems like Lindblom and Hauser will get an opportunity, and Anderson probably will be the five-starter now with Lauer uh, serving as some depth. I think that it, it's good that the Brewers decide to bring in Anderson. I would have been a, a little bit wary of going in with it, what seemed like only about five capable major league starters at this point. Anderson, I think, deepens the rotation and provides a higher floor, so to speak. Um, there's, I think there's less that can go wrong when you have at least six capable starters that you know of, especially in a, a very uncertain year with pitching. Pitchers pitched less last year. We likely will see another uptick in injuries. Brett Anderson maybe can help the Brewers mitigate that a little bit. Um, pitch about 120, 130 innings of about an ERA around four. Also having Colton Wong up the middle should help a lot because he is a ground ball pitcher. He gets a lot of ground balls. Um, having Keston Hira there was not optimal. Hira is not a good defender, uh, but Wong is probably the best defensive second baseman in baseball right now. So having him there should help Anderson just with his results a little bit. Uh, so hopefully Anderson's production will see a, a slight uptick. In some minor news, uh, the Brewers assigned some numbers. Um, Colton Wong, of course, number 16, which he kept from his time with the Cardinals. Eric Lauer switched from number 27 to number 52. Jordan Zimmerman took number 27, who is a non-roster invite. Daniel Vogelbach switched to number 20, seemingly indicating that Shaw will reclaim number 21. Uh, but perhaps most notable is the absence of number 8. Brewers decided not to assign it to anybody new. And kind of leaves uh, or emphasizes the absence of Ryan Braun at camp. Ryan Braun's wife posted on Instagram that she's happy to have Ryan home for now, she said. So it seems like he hasn't ruled out a return. Is, is it possible that he's maybe doing this to get out of spring training? It's been well documented that Ryan Braun does not like spring training. So it's possible that perhaps Braun is doing this just to delayed a little bit. He's talked about having conversations with the Brewers back and forth, or maybe he will even sign once the season starts and he knows a little bit uh, more of the certainty of fans coming into the ballpark, that the season's going smoothly. Uh, it's possible, and you'd have to hope that the Brewers are open to that, open to bringing him back in the right situation, the right scenario, even if maybe the season has already started. I hope that the Brewers bring back Braun. I hope he gets his proper farewell tour, uh, but course we're unsure if that really will happen at this point. One thing also uh, that I noticed in light of Ryan Braun's departure from the Brewers as of, at least as of now is uh, the Brewers lineup actually features all minorities especially if you include uh, Urias and Arcia on the left side of the diamond. Um, Shaw you, I wouldn't necessarily project him to be the starter at this point still in a non-guaranteed contract uh, but Narvaez and Pena both Venezuelan Arcia as well, um, along with Abisail Garcia. 
Hira and Colton Wong, both Asian Americans. Wong with some uh, Hawaiian blood. Yelich is actually one quarter Japanese also. So while he is 75% white, uh, he also is a quarter Japanese. Lorenzo Kane, of course, being black. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, it's been about 50 years since the Pirates featured the all, first all-minority lineup. Of course, that was uh, more groundbreaking during its time, but still interesting to see the Brewers have that. Uh, I don't know if I'd say it was necessarily intentional, but uh, but still, I think, kind of cool. Also, the Brewers made a couple of hires a few weeks ago. Uh, Sarah Goodrum became their minor league hitting coordinator, and she's the first female in that position, so pretty high position for a female. Uh, She's gotten very good reviews so far as uh, one of the top hitting minds in the organization. Hitters apparently love working with her, which is a good sign. And she's been a real impact on, on hitters, even just in the first couple days of spring training. Teresa Lau also is one of their assistant athletic trainers, and she's one of the first to be in that post. Uh, so two, two female hires over the past offseason that are a little bit groundbreaking um, for their positions. And then lastly, just some uh, spring training notes gathered from the first week at American Family Fields of Phoenix. Orlando Arcia is working out at third base, mentioned that before. Uh, initially, it seemed like it would be Urias at third with Arcia at short, but it seems like the Brewers are more intent on having Urias play short every day. Maybe Arcia playing some shortstop, but also moving around and playing a good amount of third base. Also, Omar Narvaez, who is coming off uh, by far the worst year of his career, said that he actually did not make any mechanical changes to his swing, but he thinks the main thing was it was really mental. He feels much better and much more optimistic going into this year, uh, and even just feels physically better and more comfortable being in Milwaukee now for the second year. Uh, he thinks that he's going to have a good year. Of course, there's always some optimism uh, when you are the player and, and his own confidence, but good to hear that. Manny Pena also lost some weight, and he's feeling good. Of course, it's not, it's not February without hearing about the player who has uh, lost weight and is in the best shape of his life. Jacob Nottingham had thumb surgery over the offseason, and his target to return is March 1st, so presumably in about a week we could see Nottingham back on the diamond for the Brewers. Nottingham's out of options also, so it'll be interesting to see if the Brewers choose to carry three catchers initially with Narvaez and Pena uh, as well. Corbin Burns also featured a better changeup and curveball. Narvaez commented on his changeup, saying that he got better movement. His changeup was a little bit below average last year in terms of its movement. Got pretty good results on it in a limited sample size. But still good to hear that his changeup has made strides. His curveball was also a little bit below average last year. Um, he was pretty successful with it, but he was hoping to improve the movement on it. So Burns said that he worked hard on the changeup and curveball this offseason, and those could be real X factors for him as he uh, seeks to return to uh, his 2020 form of a top 10 Cy Young finish and a legitimate budding ace for the Brewers. Uh, another thing to note that Andy Haynes was talking about was that hitters will now be able to watch uh, the video in-game, so they, they didn't have access to the video room or the iPads last year and be able to break down their at-bats, but they will this year. Christian Yelich actually attributed that to a lot of his struggles this past year and could benefit Yelich along with some of the other hitters that struggled last year. We saw a lot of veteran hitters around the league struggle last year, so it's possible that that will uh, prove to be the, the main difference. Uh, with the Brewers lineup. Brewers are banking on their lineup to um, to carry them to potentially even 
an NL Central championship. Pitching staff is very good. We know that already. But the offense is a little bit more uncertain. So that's probably one of the biggest storylines going into the 2021 season. That's going to wrap it up for us today on the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Thanks for bearing with me uh, as I did this episode just uh, solo. Uh, but a lot to cover today. Probably will have a lot more to cover over the next few weeks. Um, roster cuts coming and then um, even just about a month away from uh, when we find out the opening day roster and opening day hopefully coming with some fans at the game for the first time in a year and a half or so. Uh, really exciting time. Uh, a lot more exciting than the dull off season where it seemed like nothing happened. So I'm excited going into, uh, into spring training and we'll make sure to keep you covered. Uh, make sure to check out our social media at Brewers Podcast and our website at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. That's all for today. Uh, thanks and go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.